unleash the power of prayer. We're going to look at a prayer in the Bible that is unique. It's found in First Chronicles, and in that book, you, you can come into some really boring portions that talk about genealogy, but somewhere in the middle of it is, is, an, is an unbelievable passage that shows some principles that will bless our lives, and it's called the Prayer of Jabez. I preached on this about 12 years ago here at this church, and there were some significant happenings shortly after as we started to pray the principles in this prayer. Let me read it to you. The Prayer of Jabez, First Chronicles 4.9. It's on the screen for you. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. And here's the prayer. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted him his request. When you put prayer to work, things start to happen. And there's some principles in this that I just want to talk to you about. And I'm hopeful that you'll apply them to your life. Here's what I hope, that you'll pray the prayer of Jabez over your own life, but that you'll pray it for this church and the ministries here as well. And so here's the first element. He prayed, Lord, bless me. Now, there are a lot of humble and wonderful Christians that somehow think that is a greedy or immature prayer. Lord, bless me. Well, I can't make it all about myself. Well, that's true, but remember that asking the Lord to bless is really humility because you're understanding where the blessing comes from. It's not just you and your efforts and all that you could do to be a nice person. There's something of his favor that comes when we ask for it. Jabez believes that God is good, right? Some of you have kids. You want to bless your kids, right? You don't mind if they say, Mom, I'd like to have something. Dad, I'd like to have something. You just want to give them the right something, right? To bless their lives. And I want to point out here that when he said, bless me, he didn't say, give me a car. Because they didn't have cars in those days, but you know what I mean. He didn't say, I want bigger houses and, uh, you know, beautiful people all around me. He left the details up to God. So this is not prosperity teaching today or prosperity doctrine He trusted God enough that he just said in general, bless my life, knowing that God could do it. That word blessing, if you look at it in the Hebrew, means abundantly, altogether, uh, greatly. And in some of the versions it says indeed, bless me indeed. Well, when you put indeed, and that's part of the definition, when you put indeed in the Hebrew, it's like adding five exclamation points. It means really big deal. Bless me indeed. Well, we look at that word bless kind of like it's about sneezing, you know. Oh, bless you. It's like have a nice day. It's a bigger deal than that. Here's what Bruce Wilkinson, and I want to give him credit because some of the thoughts that I'm sharing today come from the book, The Prayer of Jabez. Rarely do I just preach uh, you know, with, with the principles of one book, but I like this book so much, I'd recommend it. It's a, it's a quick read, and you can read it in an hour and a half, and, and you can pick it up at any bookstore online easily. But here's what Wilkinson says in that book. He says, to bless in the biblical sense means to ask for supernatural favor. So it's not like a sneeze and, hey, I hope you, you know, feel better. You're asking God for supernatural favor. We ask for God's blessing. We're not asking for more of what we could get for ourselves. 
That wouldn't be his blessing because you can do that yourself. We're sincerely asking for the kind of good things that only God has the power to know about or give. It says in Proverbs 10.22, the Lord's blessing is our greatest wealth. I'm not going to talk about money and riches and that prosperity stuff today because uh, some people know that that stuff can be a curse as, as, as much as it can be a blessing. And I think, you know, money's a blessing, but it's the least of God's blessing. All you have to do is have it uh, to know that it doesn't provide everything that you truly need. In America, we believe it's the answer for everything, but it's not. It can't bring joy. It can't bring happiness. It can't bring impact by itself alone. The Lord's blessing is our greatest wealth, it says in this passage. All of our work adds nothing to it. It's beyond material to all of the things that the Lord knows we need. The Bible talks about peace in our hearts. That's a blessing. The Bible talks about a unity in our families and in our churches. That's a blessing. The blessing of the Lord is something that he adds that takes it beyond what we can do because of his touch. Jabez knew the truth about God. He knew that he was awesome and powerful and loving and that he could say, trusting him in the details, bless me. And I want you to know, I believe God wants you to know, that you can trust him in the details, but it's okay for you. It's actually good for you to pray, Lord, would you bless me? Would you bless my household? Would you bless this church? Because in humility, you're saying, would you add your supernatural favor to my life? Because when God gets involved... It's incredible what can happen, the supernatural. So we ask with confidence, knowing he's good, knowing that he has his power that he would add with his love to our lives, we ask. And James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Matthew 7, 7 says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Ask Him to bless your life. Pray it over your own life on a regular basis. Second thought that comes from this prayer, second principle. He prayed, increase my territory. Some of your versions of the Bible will say, increase my borders or increase this coastline. Um, But what it's talking about to me is not just physical lands and properties, which it could mean that, and that might have been part of the blessing that Jabez received. I believe it was, some physical lands. But it's more than that. It's influence and it's ministry. And so we pray, Lord, increase our territory. Increase my territory. God, help my influence to rise so that I might bless your name and people might know you. It's pretty cool to think that God has something special for your life, and he does. He has more for you. But you probably, like like I have at times, thought, uh, is this it? I remember I was 19 years old. I was... um, it was summertime, and, I, and it was the summer break from college, and my parents were in Carthage, Missouri. And, and uh, we called it Carthage Misery in, in those days. And, and, and so I went to be with them, and I found a job at the cheese factory. 
And I'm not talking about the restaurant. I wish it was uh, the restaurant. I'm talking about a real cheese factory. And the, the job that they gave me on the first day was to literally cut sections of cheese. That's right. I cut the cheese for my job. And, and, and I took it and I put certain amounts of cheese in a barrel. And then I would put other ingredients. And, uh, and then they would, you know, that would make the kind of cheese. They'd pour it in and this heat it up and, and, and it would make certain kinds of cheese. So I had to do all these mixes. Why would they give a new kid that job? Because it was the stinkiest job in the world. You will not believe how it smelled where I work. I mean, you'd walk in and you'd feel like you were going to throw up. And then you'd walk out and people wanted to throw up when you got close to them because you stunk just like that. And I remember mixing the ingredients and thinking to myself, is this it? Is this where my life is going? God, I want it to be more than this. Don't you have more for me? I sure hope so. Well, I want you to know that God has more for you. He does. God has something that is magnificent and wonderful. You know, when I talk about these things, if we're not careful, our minds will race to things of of, uh, great visibility. And we have to be careful about that because the things that are great to God are not necessarily the things that are great to the world. It'd be great to God if you help your neighbor come to Christ. There's nothing more important or more significant in heaven uh, that is seen as valuable than that. And so as we talk of greatness and we talk of influence, let's remember that the little things that we see, you know, loving your child as that parent was out there, that's great to God. That's influence that affects generations. And God wants to take your influence, add his supernatural ability to it, and he wants to increase that influence for his glory. You were born for more. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 2, 9. However, as it, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Well, that's heaven, but that's here too. He prepared things in advance for you to do, it says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. You were born for more. Ask him to increase your territory. Be bold enough to say, Lord, Bless me and increase my territory. Psalm 37, 22. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land. These are Bible scriptures. These, I'm not making these up. When he blesses, we come into a realm of blessing where we can show who he is and how mighty he is. And that's one of the main reasons he wants to bless us. Not just with material things, but with influence so people might see his great love. I told you I preached on this very topic 12 years ago. It's hard to believe it was that long ago. I told Karen I, I wanted to search for that sermon and we couldn't find it. Um, but I told her seven years ago. It was 12 years ago. I had placed the vision before the people. It's radical. It was hard to believe. It was about asking God to give us 40 acres of land and millions of dollars and starting a new high school. I mean, some people said it was dumb, and they left. Some of them came back, and after it was built, they said, look what we did, and we go, okay, yeah, we did it together. But I tell you, it took some courage to stand before the people. Some, like, it takes courage to talk about money. I don't like talking about money. I don't. I'm not after your money. I'm after building the kingdom. That's what I'm trying to do. 
You won't be in heaven five minutes before you thank God that Pastor Stan encouraged you to give to build the kingdom. Because that's treasure laid up in heaven, the Bible says. And that was a season where we were praying that God would give us land to move towards the vision that we believed he was given. At the end of the sermon, it's remarkable to me. Uh, I don't think it's ever happened before in the 20 years that I've been here, nearly 20 years, that people were up front in an altar service and after the sermon had been preached, someone gave a, a word of prophecy. You know, the Bible talks about the gifts and the gift of prophecy and that the Spirit of God moves this way and he'll speak to a person or to a body at time with these gifts. And the Bible says to examine the gifts carefully and, 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 and the Bible says to test the Spirit. But it seemed good to us on that day. And someone spoke out loudly and everyone could hear so loud that the microphone picked it up perfectly. I don't ever remember a time that that's happened before. So what I read for you is word for word that came from, this might have been back to the tape days, from a tape that picked up the prophecy. And here's what it was. Remember, nothing had happened yet. Just a dream we were moving towards. This was November 19th, 2000 in the 9 a.m. service after the prayer of Jabez's sermon. So my servant, has been faithful to teach my words today. I will grant the words that he has preached. I will give unto this body a blessing. I will give unto this body a present in the midst of thee. I will go before you and I will find the properties. Now, as I look back on that, that was very interesting to me because we weren't asking him for properties. We were asking him for a property. But as it turned out, it was a conglomeration of about seven properties that we had to get combined and move things around before the Lord did it with his miracles, I will find the properties that you are looking for. I will multiply what you lay your hands to. I will bless you. Have faith in me, and I'll provide for you. You have little because you ask little. Ask much, and I will give you much. Seek me, and you will find me, and the doors will be open. For I am the Lord God who does great things." Wow, well, so here we sit 12 years later. The high school, I, I just can't believe what the Lord's done with it. I went to Cinderella. They had the, uh, the play on Friday night. I went Saturday night. Today at 2, they have another one at PCC. You should go. It's cool. I couldn't believe it. it I mean, he's continually surprising me about what he had in mind because my, my mind is so little <laughs> that I can only conceive a few things, but... I didn't know what he had in mind. He had even the arts in mind being expanded. I'm sitting there and I'm tearing up at Cinderella, largely because this little girl is so good, and I'm thinking, I know this story, and I'm crying, this is dumb, what am I crying for? It's all going to turn out all right, I've seen this before. But I thought, wow, this is a place where our community who wouldn't darken the door of a church can come and be around hundreds of Christians because they've already had, I think, 700 go through. And they're putting their toe in the water for the first time around Christians because of the arts. And these kids are great. I'm telling you, I've seen large productions in the major high schools around us that were great. This was as good as any of them. Remarkable what they're doing. I, I just couldn't believe it, and I thought, God, you are, it just brings me to tears at times to see what he's up to. That was way bigger than we could think or imagine or would have conceived of. He's, he's done some incredible things, but we're not going to just 
rely on the past, right? Because we're going to the future. And so we prayed the prayer of Jabez in those days. I'm asking you to pray it again with me. I'm asking you to pray with me that he'll bless this place. To pray that he'll increase the number of souls, the number of people that get saved. To pray that he'll increase the numbers overall that come here. To pray that we'll get financial strength, all for the purpose of doing more for his kingdom. I'm saying let's don't stop, let's keep going. Let's pray and ask God for a supernatural blessing upon us in this new day and this new season. As a matter of fact, I want to stop and pray that right now. Would you agree with me, Father? We're humbled by what you've done. And yet we know who you are. We know you don't glory in just the things of the past, but your glory is headed towards the future, God. The future of those who need you in our community. And God, I pray that you would bless us and increase our territory. Put your hand upon us, Lord. Keep us from evil that we might not have pain. And Lord, bring a supernatural touch that shakes these cities around us and use us, God. Your word says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So God, we're asking that your spirit would be unleashed among us. We're asking, Lord, that you would do beyond what has ever happened here so that people might know who you are and how you love and how great you are. Bless us, I pray. Do it again, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 107, verse 38 says, He blessed them and their numbers greatly increased. That happens when his blessing comes. This next element of the prayer, he says, put your hand upon me. What's that mean? That's talking about what some spirit people call the anointing. Or you might just say the real source of power. That is a prayer of humility to understand that no matter how gifted you are, what a great singer you might be, what a great speaker you might be, what a great organizer, administrator, whatever your talents may be, athlete, that whatever you are, it's not enough. So Jabez says, I want your blessing, but Lord, I don't think it'll come. I'm pretty sure it doesn't come unless you put your hand upon me and bring your power. And we need his power, not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. The way this works when you pray this prayer of Jabez in your life, if you do it on a regular basis, is you'll find that he does bless you and he'll bring you into a realm that blows you away. And you keep praying and pretty soon, I think it's about to happen to us, he's gonna take us to another level. Why? It's not because we have the goods, it's because he has the goods. And sometimes, I've been there before, I wonder if you have, where you pray and it happens and then you're about to walk into this new season and you think, oh man, can I do this? And if that's happened to you, I just want to say congratulations, you get it. Because when we say to God, God, I'm not sure I can do this, he says back, you're right, you can't. But I can. I'll help you. It's my hand upon you. It's my blessing. It's my increase. Humble yourself and I'll lift you up. Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Bruce Wilkinson says again, as as God's blessed sons and daughters, we are expected to attempt something big enough for God that failure is guaranteed unless God steps in. What are we doing 
that we couldn't do by ourselves? What are we attempting that's beyond the realm of our own abilities? Well, I'll tell you this. When you pray and you ask him to bless and increase and use you and use his influence through you, he'll give you a dream that's beyond what you can do. And he'll bring results that are beyond what you can bring when his hand comes. So in humility, Jabez prayed, put your hand upon me. And the Lord did. And in humility, you pray. I pray. We pray. Lord, we need your hand. Put your hand upon us. And he comes. Tommy Barnett is a um, pastor that's well known from Phoenix, Arizona. A really godly man humble godly man I'm guessing he's maybe in his mid 70s now but he's not slowing down Uh, he pastored a church that grew like crazy and they moved into a brand new sanctuary probably 25 30 years ago that sanctuary seated thousands in Phoenix and I remember him telling the story of him walking down that first Sunday that the sanctuary was built and He peeked out the door as he was about to walk out onto the stage and those thousands of seats were jammed and filled to capacity. And he got afraid and he shut the door and he literally ran back to his office and he knelt down at his chair and said, oh God, there's so many people out there. I don't know if I can do this. I'm just a little preacher. Well, I submit to you that that's why God used him because he knew of his own littleness and God's bigness. And God spoke to his heart that day and said, Tommy, you've always followed me. Keep your heart in me and I'll do it. I'll help you. I'm doing this. Well, not only has that church been one of the most influential in America since, but the Dream Center that started in LA, you heard of that before? See it on TV? They're springing up all over America in major cities now, Dream Centers, reaching out to those that are wounded those that are addicted to drugs, those that are broken. Tommy Barnett's been a big part of that because he's just a little preacher knowing that a big God would put his hand on him if he would just follow. And I want you to know it's not about preachers. It's about people who yield their hearts. And I want you to know that some of the dreams you have, some of you have a dream, you don't even realize God put that dream in your heart. But he has something in mind that's a little different than what you might think of. The influence, the impact. Psalm 119, 173, may your hand be ready to help me for I have chosen your precepts. Acts eleven twenty one. the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. His hand, his power, it's the key. And that leads me to a portion of the scripture that I wanna tie in with verse nine. In verse 10, he prayed the last part of his prayer, keep me from evil so that I will be free from pain. It's interesting that in verse nine, the scripture I read to you when I started, the scriptures say that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Now, why would God throw that in there? Why would he make a deal of that in the scriptures? Jabez was more honorable. I think God wanted us to know that when we live with our hearts towards him honorably, that his blessing comes to us in a, in a much more significant way. You see that in the scriptures. Look, 
1 Samuel 2.30, those who honor me, I will honor. If you haven't valued purity or behavior or obedience or righteousness, following God's ways, I want you to consider these thoughts. He says, I will honor those who honor me. He says in 2 Samuel 22, to the faithful you show, it says about God, to the faithful you show yourself faithful, to the blameless you show yourself blameless, to the pure you show yourself pure, but to the crooked you show yourself shrewd. It really is true that if we have a dishonorable life, we make it very difficult for God to bless us. Because in essence, we're saying this, God, I want you to bless my sin. And God says, uh, not going to do that. <laughs> I love you, but I won't bless your sin. Jabez seems to understand that he has to live an honorable, pure, and righteous life if he wants this blessing that he's praying for to be unleashed. Jesus taught us to pray that way. Matthew six thirteen, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There are some people today, and really the church in America, has, it, has, it has a serious issue going on. It's starting to decide because it's listening to politicians and to the media and to the people who know not God, really. It's listening to their version of, the, of what the scriptures say instead of the balance of what the scriptures truly say. And because we're not reading for ourselves and we get into men or women who are famous... And we're influenced, we're influenced more by them than by the very word of God. So the church is starting to take on this thought that's not scriptural that says, everybody's a sinner and we have to sin. We can't really overcome, just be the sinner you are. And God loves you. Well, God loves you when you're a sinner. He's always going to love you. Just like you'd love your child. If they did something wrong, if they did something terrible wrong, if they go to prison you're still going to love them with all your heart you'll be broken hearted you love them but god will not bless your sin and the problem with it that america's having rise up is there's no responsibility for action and behaviors anymore it reminds me of my daughter candace when she was three and a half years old we're coming home from some event and it was that time in the afternoon where we didn't want her to sleep because we want her to sleep at night, right? This three and a half year old. So mommy kept saying to her, Candace, stay awake, stay awake. And so Candace would do this and she was fighting it. And finally, little Candace from the back said, I can't stay awake because I don't want to. <laughs> that made me think of this issue of sin and the, the same thought. I can't stop sinning because I don't want to. You've heard me say many times before that it takes willpower to overcome sin. I just want you to know God's great enough to help you overcome even sin. He says it in his word. I'm going to read some scriptures about it. But if you don't have a will to do it, his power won't show up to help you because you're going to do what you want to do. Not only will he not bless your sin, but he says, be sure your sins will find you out that they'll bring pain. I sit with, uh, through the years, I've sat with Christian men and women who've committed adultery against their spouse. I promise you, God, for, God forgave them. But you know what? They felt the consequences of sin sweep through their family and cause devastation. Because sin tears up lives. And God says, I don't want you to do it because it hurts you. 
and I'm so powerful, I can help you. If you just say, I want to, you have the want to, then I'll show up with my power to help you. I learned this many years ago, and some of you heard this story, but um, you'll know I'm real when I tell this story. I was at George Fox as a student. I just recommitted my life to the Lord. I'd been living the wrong way. I'd been a prodigal who'd come home, and I was serious about serving God. It was one of those spring days at George Fox College in those days, university now, uh, where the sun was shining bright. It was over 80 degrees. Everybody was happy, and I was headed to a class, and I was going to walk what we call the canyon there, just this big expanse of space where you go through this area back up to where the other buildings are, landscape nice with a nice path, kind of a nature path there almost, but it has pavement, and they had just redone the landscape, so they put lawn all the way along that strip, all the way down, and it was beautiful. Well, there's no, not lawn anywhere else in the area, and so what happened was that day when the sun shone, the only place that those sweet little Christian girls could find to lay out in their bikinis uh, and get their sun was right there on this path where people were walking by. Well, I turned around the corner, and I went, I didn't know I was about to enter the gauntlet, you know, that here it was. I mean, if these sweet little Christian girls knew what that did to, to, to Christian guys, they, they probably would be more careful. You say, Pastor Stan, even you? I'm a man. <laughs> I want to remind you that temptation is not the same as sin, right? Everyone's tempted, but you don't have to give way to temptation. It's in that moment of temptation that the Lord says, I will meet you and I'll help you overcome the temptation. And what it means is if we can overcome there, we, we don't move to this place of sin. But it has a lot to do with our eyes and our feet and the direction we go if we're really serious about it. Well, I've got to get to class. I come through and here's these girls. I'm like, what? And, and I, I tell you, I, I thought, I can't look. And the first scripture that came to my mind, I have it on the screen for you. And I didn't know a ton about scripture, but this came to my mind. It had to be the Holy Spirit. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. I knew that meant don't fix them here, fix them here, you know. And I, I just thought, I'm not going to look, and I started praying, oh, God, help me. Because I'm telling you, I hadn't lived right before this. So, so I'm, I'm, not only, I'm not only trying to stay away from it, I'm trying to get out of those thoughts and actions and place that I'd been before. And I'm, and I'm just brand new in the Lord, and I just focused forward, and I, it felt like I was walking through quicksand. You know, felt like it was a two-hour walk, but I kept saying, "Lord, help me, help me." And I didn't look, and then I then I got nearly up to the top, and I was tempted to look back, but I just said, "Jesus, help me, help me." I turned that corner, and I cannot tell you what relief and peace and victory I felt when I got around the corner, and I thought, "Wow, I don't have to look. He's powerful enough to help me not to do that." Now, it took my will, and it'll take your will, and it takes his power, and it's not just a one-time deal where it's once for all, but in every moment, he can help us if we trust in him. You say, I don't know, this is a bit of a stretch. Well, is it that you won't because you don't want to? I can't because I don't want to. Because look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But remember this. The wrong desires that come into your life aren't anything new and different. Many others have faced exactly the same problems before you. 
And no temptation is irresistible. You can trust God to keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. For he has promised this and will do what he says. I just have this to say. Why aren't Christians talking about this stuff? Why are we talking about God's love is unconditional? Well, sure it is, but that doesn't mean that, he, that he'll bless your sin. We're just hurting ourselves. It's masochism. He's trying to tell us, stay away from that stuff. It's going to damage you and your family. But it says this, he will show you how to escape temptation's power so that you can bear up patiently against it. Wow. If I have a will, he has the power. Now we can take that to our anger and our harsh words and whatever the sin may be. But God says, I have a better way. I can help you. Do you want to get better? Turn to me and I'll, I'll give you the strength. You have the will, I have the power, willpower. If you think it's a bit of a stretch to think that, you know, when we sin, it's, it's, it's hurting our future, think about this, John 9, 31. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. So that, you know, Jabez was honorable. God heard his prayer. God blessed him. Psalm 66, 18 if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. He, 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 he just can't do what he wants to do if we insist on doing different than he's asking us to do. It's like you with your children when they're young. If they, if they just dig their heels in and they fight, you can't give them a blessing you'd like to give them. As a matter of fact, discipline might be coming, right? But even the discipline is a heart of love to help to get them on a better path. Well, the Lord would give him power to even overcome temptations to sin. And he'll give it to you and I as well, that we might not have pain. Lord, keep me from evil that I might not have pain. Romans 16, 19 gives light to this principle. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord, and this makes me very happy. Can I, can I just tell you, when you're obedient to the Lord, it makes him very happy. When your kids are obedient, it makes you happy. When God's kids are obedient, it makes him happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and stay innocent of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. See what happens when we have this heart to obey and trust him to help us overcome? I'm not saying you can be perfect. I'm not saying you can be sinless, but I'm telling you we can sin less and less all the time. Because God's power is greater than we've realized. And when we have this heart to follow, his spirit shows up and God crushes Satan underneath our feet. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. So he prayed this, Lord bless me. Increase my territory. Put your hand upon me. Keep me from evil that I might not have pain. He lived honorably and the Lord brought that blessing. Because it says in 1 Chronicles 4.10, God granted his request. Ask him to bless you. Live your life honorably towards him. And the great adventure begins.